Jesus looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. This is the word of God for the people of God. Whenever we read one of the gospel stories, it poses for us two basic questions. What does Jesus want us to see? And what are we to do? What does Jesus want us to see? And once we see, what is it he would have us do? So we come to this text of this poor widow who comes to the temple with her measly offering. We call it the widow's mite. And we have to ask, what is it that Jesus is actually saying in this story? And I think there are two things that we could suggest is going on here that I quickly want us to put aside. And the first would be that Jesus is saying, gosh, Look at her. We should all give up everything we have to live on. Now, this would be about our material lives, and certainly Jesus does ask us to live fairly simply. Uh, we see that message repeated again and again, and not to store up treasures and so on. But there are also plenty of instances where Jesus will command, uh, commend a rich man who is generous with his money. I've preached on that uh, a few weeks back. And so it doesn't seem like Jesus would really say, everybody give up everything you have, because he wants us to live and to thrive. Now, the other way that we could go, if we're not thinking of it in terms of material goods, is some people will say, well, this is about her spiritual state. This is about putting God first. No matter what, you put God first, you don't think about your physical well-being, you just worry about spiritual things. Well, that's a kind of a dangerous slope to go down, uh, particularly because we know Jesus says he came to give life and that abundantly, not to deprive us of everything we have physically. But whenever we begin to separate the body from the spirit, uh, that can be a very dangerous thing because God has created us as creatures with bodies and spirits. So uh, think about how many generations we uh, saw uh, slavery or the treatment of Native Americans that said to them, just stay in your place. It may be a terrible life in this world, but you'll get heaven later. That is not the message of Jesus. Jesus says the kingdom of God is drawn here, drawn near here and now, and we should be living that wonderful abundant life in the here and now. So if we set aside those two simpler explanations of this text, then what in the world are we to see that Jesus is saying? Let me ask you a question here. 
You ever been in a conversation with someone and later on they repeat your words in anger or in whatever and you say, but you're taking my words out of context. We cannot take Jesus' words out of context. And there are two contexts that we have to look at, and then this story makes clear and perfect sense. And the first is the context of the first century. All of us would understand that this poor widow woman is a product of her society. Women have no rights, women have no power, women have no opportunities, women are property. So this woman would have lived with her father till she went to her husband or to the next husband or whatever. And when the husband dies, she is supposed to go back to a man, whether that's back to her father's house, to a brother, to a son, and for whatever reason, it's quite clear, this woman does not have any man to whom she can go back. She is really on her own. And one has to imagine that the only way she can make any income is, is to beg in the streets, or maybe she gleans some leftover vegetables from a field and, and sells them on the street. But here she comes to the temple, which is, of course, the very center of symbol of God. It is where God resides. It is the heart of the faith. She comes to this temple and she's got these two small copper coins. The typical wage for a man back in the first century was one denarius a day. These two copper coins are less than 1% of one denarius. It's like saying if a dollar a day were the typical wage, she's got less than a penny, and that's all she's got, and she puts it in the plate. Now, remember that when Jesus sees this, he is well aware of the situation of this woman. He's not going to condemn her because she has done nothing wrong. She has not sinned. What's gotten her in this place is the systems of the society, the structures of the society that say this woman has to belong to a man, and when she doesn't, she's out of luck. She has not sinned. And so we see this woman who is broken through no fault of her own. She's been dealt a bad hand, and you and I, most of us have been in a place in our lives where we have felt broken, where we have, have been dealt a bad hand. And the way the woman responds to it is to continue to believe that she can be a blessing for someone else who is worse off than she is. The whole idea of the temple box is to give money so that others might be cared for as well as the temple. She still sees herself as blessed to be able to be a blessing for someone who is even worse than her. My goodness, what a witness of this woman. But you see, there's a second piece that we have to have, and that is the context that Luke is presenting in this gospel. If you go back 
to chapter 20. Jesus has been asked a lot of questions by the religious authorities, by those who are privileged and powerful and wealthy men, and they're trying to catch him to see how well he knows the law. So they're asking him, well, what about this, Jesus? And he answers, well, what about that, Jesus? And he answers. They're trying to see if Jesus really knows the law as well as they, of course, know the law. And after this pop quiz that they give to him, Jesus says this, and this is the end of chapter 20. He says this to all the people who are standing around, including his disciples. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honors at the banquet. They devour widows' houses. And for the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. And then comes the story of the widow. You see, this widow comes and places her money in the offering box in the house of God. And if these people know the law as well as they say they do, they have an obligation to care for the poor and the widow and the orphan and the stranger. And here they are throwing their big handfuls of money out of their abundance. And then what happens? We don't know. Luke does not tell us what happens next to this widow. And I think... What should happen next to this widow is that one of those powerful men comes down and, and takes those two copper coins out of the plate, puts them in her hand and says, and here's ten denarii, go and be blessed, my sister. Or what might happen is this. After Jesus says this, some of his disciples go over to the woman and say, Sister, come with us. We will get you something to eat. We'll take care of you. And then she, this is me imagining, she becomes one of the women who travels with Jesus and stands at a distance when he is crucified on the cross because she has come to know the Messiah in her own life. But Luke doesn't tell us. Luke leaves it right there as if to say, now you have seen what I'm saying. What will you do? There is a documentary on Netflix called Daughters of Destiny. And it's about a man from India, comes to study in the United States, becomes a businessman, makes quite a bit of money, and at the age of 50 says, it's time for me to go back to India to make a difference. And he builds a school that will educate only children from the poorest of the poor, from the untouchable caste at the bottom of society. And so he takes 
children at the age of four and for 14 years educates them and then sends them off to college so that they might make a difference in their families and in their communities. And you see that uh, he follows girls, although boys are also, the story follows girls, although boys are also in the school because girls are kind of like the widow in the story in uh, the Old Testament, they don't have any real rights in India. And so one of the girls comes from a, a family whose mother, the father, is nowhere to be found, and whose mother lives on top of a rock quarry and spends each day going down, breaking stones with her hands, putting them in baskets, and carrying them to a truck. Another girl's mother, and the father is nowhere to be found, spends her day, 18 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, uh, folding match boxes, one after the other after the other for pennies. And another girl's father, uh, who is there and takes care of the family, is what he calls a coolie which in India is an unskilled laborer who carries heavy loads on his back, again, for subsistence living. And this is really the fate for all of those children, is to live this kind of terrible, impoverished life. But this man takes what he has, he goes back, he builds this school, and now these girls, one of them is in journalism school, one of them is in school to become a nurse, one of them is in law school, and they will be able to break that cycle of poverty and break that cycle of being without any opportunities or hope in the world. This man basically gave all that he had to make a difference in the lives of these truly poor people. And so we are asked by Jesus... What will you do with what you actually have? It isn't about how much you have, because even pennies of this woman make a difference in the kingdom of God. It is about not the amount of the gift, but the heart of the giver the motivations to love and serve God and our neighbor. And so, this woman stands as a witness to us that no matter what we have, no matter who we are, we can always give to others and to the kingdom of God among us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.